Good morning. So, I don't actually know how long it's been, but um, I've been serving as the Christian Education Director um, here at Parker Ford for a little over a year, maybe two now, and um, I guess it's a little over a year. And so as we uh, have progressed, you know, I've been able to build a uh, Christian Ed team, and um, that is consisting of uh, Brandy Russell, who oversees Children's Ministries, Christine Wonder, who oversees Nursery, uh, and uh, Barb Heyman, who oversees Family Life, and then Pastor Tim sits on that team right now as well. We are um, currently still uh, needing a student ministries representative and an adult ministries representative. But, uh, and those of you who know Matt Willauer, he um, had served as our student ministries rep for a while. And so it has been really great because I've been able to have a team of people who are connected to all the different ministries in Christian Ed at Parker Ford. And together we have been able to work through things and process things and understand how Park Ford works and what are the needs of Parker Ford. And, and it's been a great, great opportunity working with them. And so recently uh, we decided, you know, Christian Ed needs to have a mission. We need to have a clear statement of what we're about. Um, I think a lot of times as churches we, we just say we need a Christian education program and we get we just jump into it. You know, we don't think about who we are as a people. We don't think about what God is calling us to. And we just say, yeah, Sunday school is what we do. And we go and we do it. And this, oh, we need Bible studies. And we need this and we need this. And that's our Christian ed ministry. And we, we become about doing and less about being. And as I'm thinking through, what does discipleship look at our church? I came up. Um, in conversations with, with Pastor Tim and, and Josh and the Christian team, came up with three levels. Um, discipleship in the church, discipleship in the family, and dis discipleship in you. And so this morning I want to just take a few minutes and kind of go through each one of those because that's what we're about. We're about encouraging each one of you to be in relationship with God. We're in about encouraging families to be about God and in relationship with God, and we're about the church being connected and in relationship with God. And so as this Christian Ed team, we came up with this mission statement, which you've heard um, both pastors talk about the up, the in, and the out. And so we decided to kind of model that a little bit, and Christian Ed came up with this. It said, Christian education at Parker Ford Church exists to equip people to follow Christ in three directions. Up, by teaching spiritual disciplines to facilitate personal relationships with God. In, by nurturing relationships that model biblical community. And out, by assisting in the discovery, the unwrapping, and the use of unique God-given gifts and calling. And so as we go through, you can see how each level of discipleship kind of fits with this mission. So first to look at is discipleship and the church. Discipleship in the church is obviously important and valuable. And the basis for this is Ephesians 4, 11 through 16. I believe that will be up there. Um, I won't read it. You can read it if you like. But I do want to highlight some, a few points out of it. And that is that 
in Ephesians calls the church leaders to equip the body of Christ. And so we have, we have pastors, we have elders, we have Sunday school teachers, we have Bible study teachers, we have all these people who are given a position of, of leadership and they're given and they step into a calling that God has for their life. And we are called to equip them to be ready and prepared to serve in these ministries. And so that is probably the foremost important piece, is the equipping of people to do his work. Church leaders are to build up a church towards a unity of faith. We're, we're supposed to work together to create a unity, to create a oneness, a oneness of mind, focus, and centered around Christ. To, church leaders are to help to bring people from spiritual immaturity into maturity. And that can be hard sometimes. I don't know if you guys have ever been in a relationship with somebody and you kind of have to talk about something tough. Maybe you have to confront them a little bit. You know, the goal is to always do it in love, but sometimes it's really hard. And it's hard to be in relationship with people because you get all the good stuff as well as all of the bad stuff. It comes as a package deal. And when we're in a church body, we got to deal with that too, the good and the bad. And, and that's what our, our roles are, you know, from the top down. We need to be in relationship with each other and encourage one another to love and relationship with Christ. Believers are called to draw people to Christ, and this is what the church equips believers to accomplish. And if you notice, there's a, um, a handout that was given to you when you came in, and that's kind of what I'm going over too. So if you want to pull that out, um, you can see those points highlighted at, at that point. And so the church and its role is really to support, teach, build up, encourage the body of Christ. And if you remember, in the spring, we did a Teacher Recognition Sunday, and we had all of our teachers stand up here, and we recognized them, and we thanked them for all their service. And as we were talking to Christian Ed about the transition from the Sunday school to the Christian Ed team and how that looks, we decided we wanted to do a commissioning of our teachers as well, to give the opportunity for the teachers to commit to something and an opportunity for the congregation to recognize the value and the importance of what teachers do and, and to commit to supporting them. So, to kind of wrap up this portion of ch uh, discipleship in the church, I would like to ask, if you are a teacher, whether it be children's ministries, nursery, whether it be student ministries, adult ministries, a Bible study, whatever, if you could stand up, that would be appreciated. So if you do any type of teaching, nursery work, if you could stand. And I believe we have, I don't know if we have the names of all the teachers to run as well. But uh, they might be up there as well. But, so, and I'd like to walk through just a uh, response with you as teachers. And so if you could um, just respond to the questions if you agree by saying we do do you willingly accept the responsibility to which you have been called and do you promise to be faithful in fulfilling that responsibility if so say we do will you seek to live a life worthy of his trust 
exemplifying Christian faith and spirit in all that you do. So we do. Will you seek? I already asked that one. All right. Will you be creative, redemptive, and cooperative as you work together in common tasks? If so, say we will. And will you prepare yourself by becoming familiar with congregational, congregation ministries, and will you prepare through regular Bible study, prayer, worship, and sharing in the life of this faith community? If so, say we will. All right. And if everybody else of the congregation would please stand. And the question to you is, do we as brothers and sisters in Christ agree to offer to our teachers our prayers, resources, and support so that both the knowledge and love of God revealed in Jesus Christ may increase among us and in all of God's creation? If so, say, we do. Let me pray. God, thank you so much for the gifts of that individuals have in this congregation, Lord, the willingness to serve you through teaching and preparing and equipping this body of believers, Lord. We just thank you for their time and energy that they invest. We thank you for the commitment that they, they give to these ministries. And God, we just, we just ask that you would bless them with uh, resources, with your direction, with uh, a deep relationship with you that they can share and model for those they teach in your name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. The next piece is discipleship and the family. And Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 9 is kind of uh, the theme verse for that. And that focuses on um, the oh-so-familiar passage where we're called to love the Lord our God with our heart, soul, and strength. And that verse goes on to talk about how important that is to take those three things— to love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, and your strength. Take those three things and pass them on to your children. And how valuable. I mean, you look at Scripture and all throughout the Old Testament, we see this generational blessing that God wants to give from one generation to the next. And as families, we have that responsibility, we have that role of passing on the love of Christ from us to our children. And this is important because it means that as parents, we need to be able to be in a relationship with God that exemplifies that love and commitment and to encourage our children to do that as well. I really appreciated the passage too because I think it focused more on the relationship than it focused on the doing. And so sometimes I think it's easier for us to teach our kids how to do church, that we can show our kid, yeah, we go to church Sunday, we go to Sunday school, uh, we do the week, midweek um, what ministry that's going on, and we help out over here, and we pray, and we read our Bibles, um, and we, we can kind of get into a routine, and our kids can, can begin to learn religion, but they don't actually see or understand what it means to be in relationship with the living God. And that is the piece that is so important that as we, as we disciple families here at Parker Ford, that we, we recognize, yes, prayer, scripture reading, attending of worship services. These are all important things, but we do them out of a relationship with God. And, and it's really a challenge because how do you teach somebody to love someone? It's, it's kind of an abstract idea. But we're called to teach our kids 
to love God with all of their heart, their strength, and their soul. And, and often this is done by modeling. It's often done by talking, having conversations, letting them see us engage God in our relationship with him. And so this morning, I want to take time to commission our parents, to ask our parents to stand and make a commitment to this process of discipleship. And so if you are a parent, have ever been a parent, if you have children, if you would stand at this time as well. And I'm just going to read a statement for parents and ask you um, to respond with the statement, give us wisdom, strength, and love, O God. And so for parents, your love, patience, and daily living serve as valuable models for children and youth. May you watch over the awakening minds of your children and youth. May you seek through example and training to help them love and obey. May you cultivate in them the very best development in the mind and heart, in body and soul. If so, say, give us wisdom, strength, and love, O God. Give us wisdom, strength, and love, O God. Anybody else in the congregation, if you could stand as well. Because being a part of this church and being a part of discipleship is not, yes, we recognize that parents have a responsibility to model this for their kids, but as a church, we also have a responsibility to look out for our children and to pass our love and commitment on to the next generation. And so if you are a part of this church, if you would just stand, and again, um, you have the same response, which is give us wisdom, strength, and love, O God, to this statement. That as brothers and sisters a part of this congregation, we agree to support our children in the love of God, that we would cultivate in them the very best development in mind and heart and body and soul. And if so, if you would say, give us wisdom, strength, and love, O God. Give us wisdom, strength, and love, O God. God, we just pray for um, our parents this morning. We just ask that you would uh, give them patience and strength to love their children in a way that you have shown them love shown us love, Lord. We just thank you so much for allowing us to share such an important, valuable relationship with our children. And God, for this congregation, we just ask that we would live our lives in a way that would promote a desire and a passion for our kids to know you. That this congregation would continue for generations because of the examples set by those presently in relationship with you, that your blessing would be upon us because we have committed ourselves to obedience and following your way. In your name, amen. You may be seated. The third thing is discipleship in you, and Philippians 2, 12, and 13 is a huge piece of this, and it talks about obedience and obeying his commands through reverence and fear. And that through this obedience and fear of God the Father, we, we actually grow in our strength and our willingness and desire to be discipled by him. 
1 Timothy 4, 7 and 8, it talks about being a disciple and investing in the things of Christ over the things of this world. How often we talk about getting distracted and needing to focus on God. And Matthew 16, 24 talks about being a disciple is putting his purpose for our life ahead of our own. And how that is a a daunting task at times, but it's a level of commitment to be in relationship with him. And if you uh, were here for last week's message, we talked about the Fireflight Army. And a couple months ago, Pastor Tim talked about the armor of God. And so, kind of getting back to the discipleship in the church, but as a whole discipleship in general is that there is this commitment that we have to prepare you for that battle, for that battle to embrace the darkness. And we don't want to leave you empty-handed. We don't want to send you out unprepared. And as Christian education, as discipleship goes in this church, we want to be able to give you the tools and the resources you need to go out and spread the love of God. And so we want to see relationships happen peer-to-peer, person-to-person, generationally. We want to see them, church leadership to participant, to attender, to the congregation. And we want these relationships to be relationships that generally, generationally equip the body of Christ, that they teach the truth in love, that they encourage abiding in the righteousness of God, that they dwell in the peace of the good news, that they hold to the faith of God in times of trial, that they accept the salvation of Jesus Christ, and that they master the sword of the Spirit. And these, these are all the things that make up the armor of God. And if you look in Ephesians 6, it ends after all the, all the pieces of the armor. It ends with this idea of prayer. And it gives us the command to never stop praying, to consistently be in prayer. And that's such a huge piece. And that's, you will see, is, is always a part of discipleship and will always be a part of what we do in our relationship with God. And so I want to invite Josh to come and take over, and he's going to share more about prayer. <clears throat> Thanks, Josh. You know, if there's going to be two of us with the name Josh, we're going to have to figure out something there, how we're communicating. I mean, you Post that or bite work something. Uh, it doesn't work to have two of us, though, right? If you say Josh, which Josh do you mean? Uh, but I'm really appreciative of what Josh Hostetter is doing in the Christian Ed Department. We are really excited about what God's doing in the ministries of Christian education at Parker Ford. You know, Journey Kids starts this Tuesday night, and I had that up. And I just, I can't, I tell you, I can't wait. Honestly, I, midway through the summer, I started to think, man, I haven't seen those kids in a while. And it's really exciting to watch the truth of the gospel of Jesus come into people's lives and and especially at a young age start to impact how they're making decisions and how they're kind of framing their stories. So that's really powerful. As Tim and Josh mentioned, I've been tasked with prayer over the past few months and uh, I don't know if that's something that started, you know, with me in the last few months. It's something that started with us as a church. It's really a a dynamic change that has to do with our vision and and what the wisdom is that we're called to. Every church has its call, right? 
Every person in this congregation is different. Every church in this region is different. And it's not just about what church serves our needs better. It's actually part of God's call that we fit within a community that has a specific call. And for this year, God has put it on our hearts that we're called to the ministry of prayer and that I'm kind of uh, part of that in this kind of trailblazing. I think that's what you said, Tim, right? Trailblazing deal. And so we decided that, you know, last November, we had this moment where... uh, in our family, things really broke down. We looked on our calendar from September through October through November. This is one year ago, and just everything looked bad uh, that we could think back. And I'm not going to say there wasn't some good things that happened, but we, we, we didn't go a week without somebody getting sick in our home. And we had several bouts with different things that I'll, I, won't, I won't go into graphic detail, but there were some pests involved. Our house had some difficulty. Our, our dog got sick. We had endless numbers of ridiculous things. Some of them were pretty profound, and we had to go to the doctor. Some of this stuff was just nickel and diming our time. And we went for about three months, and we said, our whole life is getting taken up by these little tiny things that just seem of, that they're evidence of an enemy, Right? And, and so we called the elders and we said, hey, will you come pray at our house? And Jay, Carol, and Dave made an appointment with us to come to our house. Shelby and I, the kids were in bed. And we sat in the living room and Jay uh, sat down and Dave and Carol on either side of them. And st- I can still picture them on my couch. This is kind of a seminal moment for me. Uh, they were sitting there and Jay started to pray and then he said, he just stopped. And he said, I, you know, I got to tell you, Josh, I, I'm hearing the word authority. That's all I'm hearing. And he said, and I don't think we're supposed to pray for your house. We're supposed to pray for you to become someone who takes authority in your life. And I mean, I think that actually meant much larger than my life. I think he was identifying something in Shelby and I's call where we weren't living it out. You know, I started being called to prayer when I was in college. I went to a Baptist church and when I was growing up, and we didn't believe in prayer. Now, I'm not telling you we didn't, you know, pray. We prayed, now I lay me down to sleep, and we prayed, uh, thank God for the food, but we didn't pray. And when I got into college, I was about 20 years old, and I started to run into problems in people's lives, and I would call my parents, my dad's a pastor, I'd say, what would you do in this circumstance? And he would say, well, I don't know, I've never seen that before in 30 years of ministry. And so we started to say, maybe we've got to ask God. And when we started to ask God, what was interesting is he started to answer. Okay. Now, I don't want to tell you I heard anything, but it just had to do with the fact that we felt God's leading in our lives and in community. Sometimes the scripture, we'd crack it open and we'd read a little bit and it would start to impact our lives and we'd start to realize this thing called conversation with God is actually two ways. All my life, I'd thought it was a one-way conversation. And I found out in my mid or my early 20s that God wanted to answer prayer. And last year when I started to think about this and Jay was telling me to take authority over my lives, I, realized, I thought, you know, I'm not really stepping into this prayer ministry. And I started immediately to prayer walk. That's the first takeaway we decided to do. We, Shelby and I, we carved out pieces of time out of our own personal time. This is in the middle of the winter last year. And we started to prayer walk Pottstown all over, and that's where we live, so we prayer walk nearby us. And what we realized was God was meeting us in the middle of this. There was something going on. It was a, and it was an experience that changed. Not only did the stuff inside of our house change, but actually things in our community, we started to make connections. We started to realize there were these little touch points along the way. And along the way, somehow the elders got wind of this, and they started to say, you know, maybe this is what God's call on Josh is. Maybe we're actually mistakenly looking at this whole ministry thing from the wrong angle and we need to give more time to prayer. At the same time, we looked back over our calendar year and Tim and I looked and said, you know, families in Parker Ford Church have had a lot of struggle. 
And so we decided that this prayer thing was a call for us to pray, not just outside of Parker Ford, but inside, and to start to go, why do we have so many difficulties? Why do we have so many sicknesses, unemployment issues, different things that come up, personality disorders? We could go on and on and on. And some of you are aware of these. Some of you aren't, because a lot of these prayer requests, they don't actually get talked about. You know, the scriptures tell us that when we have needs, we're supposed to go to God in prayer, right? And Jay kind of delivered this word, and I love Jay because he'll just say it like it is. You know, he'll just tell you. You didn't take authority. I I started to read the Bible, and I started to just read it all over again, especially the Gospels, and I decided that I was going to read them paragraph by paragraph, only for one, one paragraph per day or one kind of little story at a time. And I was going to believe that Jesus could do whatever he said he was doing in that story. You know, usually we read this story like it's a story about back there, right? And I decided to read it like it was a story here, okay? So if Jesus did this stuff back then, what if we believed in him doing them today? And I started to pray this way. I started to think differently about prayer. And as I was reading the Gospels and started uh, kind of waking up to what what was going on, I I came across some stuff. And among the things I came across was that I had misidentified what eternal life really is. I've been told all my life that if I accepted Jesus Christ into my heart and made him my personal Lord and Savior, that I would live with him for eternity. And I still believe that today. I truly believe that. I think that Jesus is the difference between life and death for every person on this planet. But I started to believe eternal life as the New Testament words were describing it had to do with more than that. It had to do with a power and an authority. I don't mean the sort where you get to tell people what to do and make your will known and just kind of move your weight around in public. That's not what I mean at all. It's a, it's a spiritual authority that Jay was t- identifying in my life and saying, you're not taking this. And I believe it's something that maybe our church is called to. So I'm bringing you inside the loop this morning. We're called to see the authority, power, and truth of Jesus poured through individual people in the midst of a dark world. That's what eternal life really looks like the more I read the Gospels. I want to take just a little moment this morning and take apart for you John chapter 11. I'm not even going to read enough for you to see it on the screen, so you'll just want to listen. But this is the story where Lazarus is raised from the dead, and Jesus is in northern Israel, and these guys come north to him, and they start talking to him about what's going on with his friend Lazarus. Lazarus was a good friend who lived in the very south part of Israel near Jerusalem. And these guys shared with Jesus that unless you come, we think Lazarus is so sick that he's going to die. You might have read this story in your lifetime, and what does it say? Jesus decides to wait. Absolutely inexcusably, for two days, he sits, and we don't really know what he does for those two days, but what he doesn't do is get on a donkey or start to walk down the trail to southern Israel, and he actually allows Lazarus to die. And after two days' time, he does what makes no sense at all. He decides to head south and go see Lazarus finally. And maybe it's already too late. What's more is there's a contract out on Jesus' life. And his disciples stand up against it. And they say, you shouldn't go there. This doesn't make any sense at all. It made sense that you didn't go to your friend Lazarus because you might sacrifice your life in order to save his. That doesn't really help you at all, right? And so Jesus decides, no, I'm going to go. No matter what, I'm going to go. And he says this line, and I want to read it for you because it's been pivotal in my life. He said this, this is verse 9 of Luke, or of John chapter 11. It says, there are 12 hours in the day, aren't there? 
If you walk in the day, you won't trip up because you'll see the light of this world. This is what he says about going south. It's one of those cryptic lines that Jesus says that, that we all kind of go, okay, what was that, Christ? You know, why, why do you have to talk this way? Just speak in plain English to us. But it makes a little sense if you read the next line. If anyone walks in the night, they will trip up because there is no light in them. I realized that what Jesus was doing was he was setting this whole situation up to pour eternal life, not into Lazarus, but to pour eternal life into the disciples of Jesus. And he was saying, listen, join me in this belief. And then the rest of chapter 11 of John, if you would read it, you would find three different places where it talks about the fact that these disciples and Mary and Martha, two of Jesus' friends who are sisters to, John, to Lazarus, they're called to believe. And he says, you know what? Our problem is that we don't believe. And he had uh, literally waited two days to build us to the place where we could see the power of God worked out in a different way. You know, there's all sorts of needs around us. There's all sorts of sickness, darkness, health issues. We could talk about financial issues. We could talk about the lack of eternal life all across our land. There's a lack of the authority, power, and truth of Jesus that we see amidst our, our, our neighborhoods and workplaces, right? There's a lack of this. But what Jesus does is says, you know what? It's not worthwhile to just go in and, and do any miracle. It's not for me to just go save Lazarus's life. I was thinking about this this week. And what's interesting is probably thousands of people died during the lifetime of Jesus. Many of them, Jesus never went to their bedside. There were blind people who were born blind and they died blind. There were people who were stricken by leprosy and they actually were, were you know, coated with this white, terrible sickness and they were actually kicked out of their communities and they lived the rest of their life distant from their friends and family. And yet Jesus wasn't called to them. It's an uncomfortable truth, isn't it? Jesus didn't heal anyone just because somebody said they should. He was actually called. And he was listening to something that was going on. And he was listening, according to this verse, he was walking in a light that other people weren't seeing. There was night around him and the disciples were walking in this darkness and they were seeing all of this, this fear because they thought there was a contract out in Jesus' life. And Jesus says, no, if I listen to the Father God, then I'll take authority over this situation and I'll know exactly where to act and when. And you might know the rest of the story. He walks through the whole chapter talking about belief, says, listen, you guys start to believe. You don't know what might happen. Well, he'll be risen from the dead. And his sister even says, well, I know that'll happen at the last day. But no, Jesus says, no, listen, believe. And they keep talking about belief. And finally, Jesus says this prayer. He actually goes to the moment where he prays for them right in their midst. He says, thank you, Father, for hearing me. And then he says, I know you always hear me. And it's, I think, because Jesus didn't want to offend God the Father that he said that because, you know, it's kind of ridiculous for him to start praying then because Jesus has been praying all this time. But he wants to bring us into the loop and say, look, you're praying, right? You're praying and you're joining us. So let's join Jesus in prayer. And it says, but I've said this because of the crowd standing around so that they may believe that you sent me. You know, we have a problem with our imaginations. And what this passage tells us is that we actually mostly as Christians don't walk in the light. We don't realize the power and truth and authority of Jesus that can be realized in the midst of the dark world in which we live. And what we have decided upon for this, this year is that we actually have to reconnect our church to this thing called the light of Christ. I don't mean that the truth of Jesus hasn't been inside this church. I don't mean that we haven't seen him acting inside. But what I do mean is that there has been a lack of his authority and power actually acting through it, illuminating the darkness around us. Last week, Tim talked about the fireflies, right? 
He talked about the fireflies, and he said we're all called to be fireflies. What we really believe is that we have a lack of glowing inside of our lives, where we're called to more. And we think God is calling us to more. And in this passage, one of the problems was that all these disciples and all of these people that were gathered around him thought Jesus, well, he could have been enough to heal this guy if he was just sick, but now he died. And Jesus says, listen, it's not too much for me. I've actually waited for this moment so you could see your imaginations have been too small. You know, I've heard the gospel communicated over and over and over again, and I don't have time. I was thinking this morning, we have to end early because of this business meeting, and I was thinking, you know, how do I get into this little tight time that we have, all of the stories I could tell you about what God has done in Pottstown since we started praying, or how God has acted in our church. I'm a part of a pastor's prayer group every other week, a ministry prayer group every other Monday, uh, a prayer group every Tuesday for Coventry Glen and Parker Ford Church. I'm a part of a ministry. I pray for all of our church every morning, through a rotation of names. I pray for you every day, um, two different families, every couple minutes, and then it rotates. You just got to see my calendar. I have dated, dated lists of names that I pray for and then what I pray for. I keep a prayer journal to see how God acts. And I could talk about all these different things and the way we're praying. But I want to just kind of bring you into one of the stories that, that is just most heartening for me. And there's a bunch of different ones I could share, and I don't have time. But, you know, we pray for God's authority, power, and truth to be birthed in darkness. It's not eternal life if it's just the authority, power, and truth in here. It's actually eternal life if we actually glow like those fireflies out there. We think we're supposed to have an effect outside of this room. And frankly, we believe our authority has been taken to be too small. We haven't accepted God's authority, and we haven't somehow glowed like we were supposed to. And God is calling us to more. This is my prayer for 2013, that our church starts to grow and move out, not grow numerically, but grow in its spiritual strength and vitality, the place where we can personify Jesus' love and compassion and grace out there, right? That's what we're about. So, you know, we started praying in Pottstown and we started to go, you know, God, the people in Pottstown and the pastors that I meet, they talk about the darkness of the city. We need to pray that you'll be the light in it. And we just started to walk up and down streets. There's other people who do this. I've ran into them since I've started. I've realized I'm not the only one praying. That's really a heartening thought, right? I got an email two days ago from a woman who told me she started to pray for Pottstown, just started to come walking with God in the last few months, and God is moving in her life. But we started to pray, and one day we got an email from this woman. And you've heard the story if you've read the prayer blog, but I just want to share this. We got an email from this woman who said, I'm going to be homeless. And I said, well, okay, we'll work on that. And we started to put her in connection with some of the ministries in Pottstown that we're partnering with. And we tried to find a a connection that we could help. But we thought along the way we should invite her to, to be a part of Parker Ford Church. And we said, you know, would you like to come to church? We can provide a ride. And as it turns out, she said yes. Now, for all of the different people we've helped financially or in different ways as a church, I gotta tell you, most of the time when we invite those people to church, they go, eh, you know, I go to this church, or I'm loosely connected to that church. But this woman jumped on it, and she jumped right into our church. And after one Sunday, she had some supernatural experience. And she just said, I don't know what it is, except for I can just see that this, the love of Jesus is active in this congregation. Something in me hit me, uh, and, and I know it's in here, and I don't know what to do. So Carol Deering and I met with her at McDonald's. And we sat there and we talked with her about uh, the faith of Jesus. We talked with her about the truth. And it was amazing. You know, the enemy is, I believe in this enemy. You know, you hear me talk about him periodically. He's actually real. He's actually powerful. And if you don't know, it's not always the big things. You know, when we were trying to share the gospel with this girl, four little cheerleaders 
came up and sat next to our table and started doing a little dance. I'm not kidding you. They were like little football player cheerleaders, and they were doing this, and we couldn't even hear ourselves think after a minute. And they, they quit. And then this other lady, she decided to exit the children's section through the alarm door, you know, the fire exit. And, you know, all of a sudden, where, 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 you know, and this whole thing. And we're trying to lead this girl to Christ. And she says, I want to know Jesus. And we literally, and she, she was getting frustrated. We were getting frustrated. And we said, you know what? We're just going to walk away. Uh, we can't do it. We're, we're defeated, you know. And I, we got in our car, Carol and I, and we, we called each other later today. We said, we think we just got our tails kicked. I mean, this was pretty funny. We can't actually share just a little truth about Jesus with somebody sitting across a restaurant when we're willing to buy him lunch. There's something wrong with this picture, right? And yet we saw this all happen, and we said, okay, this is evidence of an enemy, but we're going we're gonna to go away, and we're just going to realize that that's all there is. We never got the gospel out. We didn't know what to, to do about it. We figured we'd come back after it later. And the rest of that, we, that day, I got emails, some of which I forwarded to Carol, but there were so many emails I couldn't keep up with them about this conversation that ensued between this woman and God. She went back to her living room where she was having, she was being evicted. She went back to her living room and she just started to type out all of the prayers and things that God was laying on her heart. You know, it was amazing. Carol and I realized that if we got out of the way of God, she actually was led to Christ by the Holy Spirit. And it wasn't us that was there at all. I was out of the way as a pastor. You know, if this stretches your faith, I'm sorry. I understand this is a little bit uncomfortable for some people. But God was sharing with her. And I thought, this is the, she's praying the same things in this email that I would have shared with her as a pastor if she wanted to come with Christ. She's saying this exact same lines. I'm sorry. I want a Savior. I know you're great, God. And all of these different things. I saved all the emails. They were amazing. Powerful examples of God working in one life. And it just all of a sudden, he broke out in this, in this relationship. You know, last week, that woman got baptized here in her second service. Her name's Megan. And we watched this whole transformation happen as she got into a shelter and walked through homeless, the homeless ministries of Pottstown and is getting a lot of grace through a lot of different services. You know, that's just one example, but as we've started to pray and take authority and say, God, will you reach in? Will you do things? We've planted ourselves in the darkness and we've said, okay, God, make us illuminating out there. That's what God has called us to. And it's not just me, it's all of us, right? You know, I believe that all of us is called to stand in the midst of not the light, but actually the darkness. You're supposed to be a person who's so engaged with God, and it will be in a different neighborhood. You're not supposed to be where I'm at. That's okay. But it's going to be someplace where you're called to illuminate some dark spot. You're supposed to dig yourself into that place and grow so connected with Jesus that we become illuminators of our neighborhoods, communicators of Jesus' authority, power, and truth in the world of today. That is what God has called this church to do. You know, I was thinking of this firefly line, and I'm calling you to kind of birth yourself in the darkness, right? And I was like, okay, you know, after a while of being in the darkness, you just feel dark. I don't know if you've ever experienced that, you know. But sometimes I get to Norristown to the welfare office to help people out, and I'll sit in there, and it literally wrecks my day. I have to pray the rest of my way through my day to try to come back to light because actually birthing yourself and being a part of the darkness for a minute means you're actually going to start to fade. That's what church is all about, right? That's what prayer is all about, is becoming so illumined with disciplines and walking with the Holy Spirit that we can walk back into that darkness the next day, fresh and renewed, with our heart and compassion intact. We easily lose that. 
I've got to end. I'm way past time. But I just want to share with you, there, there's so much more I could talk about, but God's authority working in our community, he wants to do this. And as I've experienced it over the past few months, as I've looked over the past year, we can see in our family and we can see in other community members of this church, we can see in other family members, huge change because of what's going on in prayer. As people are engaging and connecting with Jesus, we see him taking over their lives and doing amazing things, using them in their neighborhood. And we want you to know that we believe we're all called to this ministry, not necessarily to one city. It may be that you're called to some other place, but God has a name on you, his name. And that name is meant to be illuminating the darkness through prayer and through the growth of the work of the Spirit of God in your life. 